had it not been for grace. Well, under God's leading uh, this week and next week, I want to I talk to us about, or let's allow God to speak to us, about going through trials with a purpose. <clears throat> Turn with me, if you will, to, uh, we'll, we'll spend most of our time in, in Genesis 22, but if you will, turn to the book of Hebrews, right before James, Hebrews chapter 11, kind of sets the stage for um, the Old Testament writing in Genesis 22 when we get there. Find verse 17, 18, and 19 of Hebrews 11. And this is how it reads, from reading from the NIV this morning. It says, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. <clears throat> now skip down to verse number 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. The word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word this morning. And now, God, as we delve into it a little deeper, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would show us, O oh God, what it means to go through trials with purpose. So, Lord, lead us, guide us, direct us in the way you want us to go. And I ask this prayer in your name. Amen. Would you imagine with me the most difficult trial you could possibly face? A financial crisis. Loss of a job. Illness in your family. Evil in the form of rape or murder or robbery. Most of us can probably say that we have been touched by at least one of those events in some way or another. Now, let me tell you, in the book of Job, Job reminds us that trouble, get this, that trouble is inevitable. Job chapter 5 and verse 7 says this, Yet man is born to trouble as sure as sparks fly upward. I read that verse this week, and in preparation, I could not help but think about the person or persons that try to create a make-believe world where there's nothing but perfection. 
and how they are setting themselves up for failure and or sorrow. I thought about that this week. And unfortunately, this sorrow and trouble many times, what does it do? It takes away the joy that God wants us to enjoy. I began to think, too, just maybe that's the reason Scripture says that we find Jesus as he what? Jesus wept. Maybe because his happiness was overshadowed by the sinfulness of you and me. All of us, every single one of us, if we haven't already, will come face to face and have to deal with agony at some point in our lives. And we must understand how to face that. Well, back to Job. We won't read it because most of us are familiar with the character Job in the Old Testament. And as he encounters some of the most difficult trials imaginable. Remember, he lost his children. Boy, that would be devastating. He lost his children. He, he lost his livestock. He, he lost his health, so to speak. Remember how he was covered from head to toe with those terrible sores all over his body. And not to mention his unsympathetic wife that he had. And that was terrible what Job had to go through. But there's someone else in the Old, Test in Old Testament, as far as I'm concerned, and maybe I can convince you of that as well this morning, was probably faced with the most severe testing, the most severe trials in all of the Bible, excluding Jesus himself, and his name was Abraham. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Gen uh, Genesis chapter 22 as we find there recorded the most unimaginable test that God put Abraham through. But here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us because I believe that we can learn a great deal from Abraham's example. And let's just kind of go through this together piece by piece. It'll be a little different sermon today. And you have some uh, some. Uh, blanks to fill in on your handout. If you feel so led to do that, go right ahead. But I want to look at Genesis 22. Let's look at the verse, verse 1 and 2 to begin with. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. I have that highlighted. I have that circled. So if you're a writer in your Bible, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, notice what he tells him. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now, let's look at Abraham. And, and probably... What Abraham was experiencing at this time did not match his theology. 
Nowhere could Abraham see anything about human sacrifice. No child of God would even think of offering his own family member as a sacrifice. Not to mention Isaac was the son of promise. Remember how God allowed Abraham and Sarah in their old age to birth a little baby boy who would be a big piece of the puzzle in fulfilling God's covenant with Abraham? But let's ask some questions here. But why this human sacrifice? There had never been one before. But why would God go to all the trouble to let Isaac be born to Abraham and Sarah and later ask for him to be killed? Why would God promise Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, that he would be the father of many nations and then ask him to kill his only son? Now, I don't know about you, but to me, a weird scenario. <clears throat> but again, this to me is the most severe test and trial of all time. <clears throat> Listen to me. Not because Isaac could have died, but because Abraham was going to kill him with his very own hand with a knife in it. I, I began to think, you know, it's one thing for a family member to die, but it's quite another that you and I would be told that we would be the one to kill the family member. I began to think about this story, and I said, you know, if there's ever a time where we might could have, where somebody might could put up a little bit of backlash against God, here it is. Here's the time. Abraham, in, in his old human nature, probably had the right to say, now, God, what's going on? Now, you know I can't do this, God. There's got to be some other way. Please explain yourself. Now, is that what Abraham did? Look at verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, now, now just listen to what Abraham's saying. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy, that's Abraham and Isaac, go over there. And listen to what he said we're going to do. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them went on together. Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Uh, look, look, at what, look at what daddy says. Look, look at what daddy says to son. Abraham answered, God, will him, God himself 
will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. What did Abraham do? Did he argue? Did he throw a fit? Did he throw a temper tantrum? No questioning God, no arguing. Immediately, Abraham obeyed God's request. Verse 9, when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his servant Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Unbelievable, amazing faith. But look at verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. In verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You see, as I read that, I, I, I go back to verse or to chapter 15 of Genesis, verse number 6. And that verse begins to make sense to me because this is what he said. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. How was righteousness credited to Abraham? church by his faith by his belief by his obedience Abraham was justified by his faith now go back and read sometimes please Romans 4 11 through 13 I'm not going to read that to you but go back make yourself a note and go back and read Romans 4 11 through 13 and that talks about Abraham and being justified by his faith. You know, church, as I read this this week, as I looked at this incredible story, I began to think that we, you and I, may be tested in the things that are near and dear to us. Now, I ask us, as I ask myself sitting in my desk this week, what might be our Isaacs that we may have to offer up to the Lord? What might be our Isaacs that we may have to offer up to the Lord? Well, Abraham was willing to give Isaac. And as I read that, I could not help but to think this about Abraham. He was not a possessive person. Folks, that was his son. That was his son. God did the very same thing for us. But Abraham released Isaac to God's will. Why did he do that? The scripture says because he wanted to be all in with the being obedience to God. Now, I wonder how much we want to be obedient to God. We all face trials. I could never, ever imagine being in Abraham's shoes. I don't know about you. But what does this tell us? What does this account of Abraham tell us? And you can fill these in your blanks. That a child of God can go through the most severe testing and trials 
imaginable only if we trust God completely. Could Abraham have not done what God told him to do? Absolutely. He could have not even made the journey. He could have not even taken the wood or cut the wood. He could have not even tied him up. But he was in God's will. See, here's the level of trust. Believing that God will keep his promises. And sometimes I'm not sure if we believe God keeps his promises. I'm not quite sure if we truly believe that God is 100% faithful in doing what he says he's going to do. And not only that, he never makes a mistake. This account of Abraham also tells us this, church, that God is going to allow us to go through tests, to go through trials in our life. But he also tells us what will sustain us, what will keep us afloat. And here it is, trusting and believing in him and believing and knowing that he works all things together for those of us who love him. Puritan Thomas Manton once observed that God, get this, that God had one son without sin, but no son without a cross. Isn't that powerful? One son without sin, but no son without a cross. As God's children, listen, we can be assured that we will have trials. If you haven't had one, guess what? If you live long enough, one's coming your way. So get ready, buckle up, get ready. But Psalm 23, 4 tells me this and tells us this, that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. What more do we need? That's our confidence. Victory over our trials comes how? The presence of God. The presence of God. Of Almighty God. God's amazing grace, as the choir just sang about, will meet us in our time of need. Well, that's the introduction. Next week, please, please be back because I want to I want to share under God's leading how, <clears throat> how there's purpose in our trials. I want to give you some reasons that, that we can look at very clearly and why we see. Or how can we see the purpose in our trials? Well, a little boy was on a plane one day that was, that was going through some rough weather. The plane was going up and down and, and side to side. There was a lot of turbulence. The little boy was playing with his toys, having a good old time, just like a little boy would do. And the lady sitting next to him was terrified. She was nervous. The plane was, you know, almost felt like out of control uh, to her. And she couldn't stand it any longer. So she finally turned to the little boy and said, would you stop? Would you please stop? How can you be so calm and so happy when, when the plane, to me, is almost ready to crash? And this is what the little boy did. The little boy looked at her and took his hand and put on that lady's hands and said this, Lady, my daddy is the pilot. I read that this week. And when our daddy, God the Father, is the pilot, get this, church, we can handle 
turbulence because why? Because he is in control. No matter what trial, no matter what test we go through, God will get us through it. Is God our pilot today? Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Genesis chapter 22. And thank you for Abraham and Isaac and these wonderful lessons that you have taught us through these two people today. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us as we, as we conclude this message next week and how, how we see, how we can learn that our trials that come our way, they do have purpose and therefore, and therefore our own good. And Lord, thank you for each one here today. And I pray, God, that we have been blessed by your word today, by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, as we sing this hymn of dedication, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'd speak to our hearts as we sing it. We sang the very same song last week. And, Lord, I want to sing it again this week. So, God, as we sing, speak to us. I pray in your name. Amen. Hymn number 272. Let's do the first and the last stanza. First and last stanza. Let's sing. Stand and sing.